Welcome to NBA Storytime. I'm Jamel Johnson. Today we're learning about a team that played its home games about 2,700 miles away from its closest rival. So lace up some snowshoe Jordans because we're headed north. Can you please hit it? Please hit the tape. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you familiar with the 1970s? I meant for basketball, but all right. Basketball was wild then. Maybe it took a little outside-the-box thinking to add a team that was nearly 3,000 miles away to your regional sports league. Well, it was actually two teams, but still, the Continental Basketball Association wasn't your normal league even in the 70s. I bet you thought that clip was from the 1970s CBA promos, but nah, it's from like 10 years later. This league was way too rinky-dink at the time. Check this. Up until 1978, it wasn't even called the Continental Basketball Association. The league was founded as the Eastern Pennsylvania Basketball League in 1946. And because it predated the NBA's founding by two months, it billed itself as the world's oldest professional basketball league. I also used to know a dude who claimed he started the first reggae band in Seattle. So sometimes being first isn't necessarily the best. And it really was small time. Let me read off the list of franchises for you. There's a team in Allentown. There's a team in Reading. There's a team in Methville, Wilkes-Barre, Pottstown, and Hazleton. You know, the third, fifth, 10th, and 18th, and two not in the top 20 most populated cities in Pennsylvania. One of those towns was fake. Did you even realize? Good, because none of them were fake. They're all real. Sorry-ass hamlets in the Keystone State with populations below 150K. Wait, actually, I just checked. Looks like Methville is made up. Might be. Here in America's wealthiest agricultural county is a land of serenity and grandeur. But unlike my hometown filled with distinguished individuals, they had professional basketball teams. They knew they had a bit of a Small Potatoes League branding problem, however, and changed the name to the Eastern Professional Basketball League after just two years. Over the next two decades, the EPBL added teams from New Jersey, Delaware, and Massachusetts, but still played the hits with new teams in the PA boondocks, like Williamsport and Sunbury. And off it went, as the uh, podunk little league played podunk little basketball games the EPMD, oops, I mean, the EPBL earned itself a reputation as a feeder league for the NBA. That was until Jim Drucker took over as commissioner in 1978. 
Drucker was a visionary for the league. He wanted to make his little league the fun little league. And rules got changed. Drucker added sudden death overtime. He removed fouling out and even put in breakaway rims one year before the NBA did to make sure his players could dunk with reckless abandon. For Derek Bad shot by Kenny Knott. And then he did not get back on defense. And Roland ran right by him for an easy stop and two points. Then there was his seven-point system to determine league standings. Each game, the winner got three points. But the team that scored most in each individual quarter also received a point meaning that winners could get seven points for winning all four quarters. But it also meant that a team getting blown out could try and win the third and fourth quarters to still grab two points. Load management did not exist in this league. But playing with a gun was also not allowed. But I bet they talked about it. It worked. During Drucker's tenure, those same franchises in small towns that had been worth 5000 were now worth 500000 they landed a national TV contract and expanded to 14 teams. And that's where our story truly begins. The expansion process had actually started under Drucker's predecessor, Steve Kaufman. What kind of team would draw attention to their small regional basketball league? Why one that made absolutely no fucking sense being there, of course. So Kaufman brought on the Anchorage Northern Knights, as in Anchorage, Alaska to play against teams from rural Pennsylvania. You know what's interesting? The only way to get from Anchorage to the main 48 is... Bridges! Oh my God! That's right, hella bridges. This move also worked. Sports Illustrated wrote a story about the team called North for sure, but also East, about the Northern Knights' first home game at the Anchorage West High School, capacity 4,000. The highlight of the game was that both backboards were shattered after dunks during warmups, and the game was delayed two hours and 15 minutes. Normally, I'd play a clip of the backboards breaking or the announcers talking about the delay, but obviously this game wasn't televised. So instead, here's Daryl Dawkins breaking a backboard to give you an idea of what it might have sounded like. The Daryl Dawkins, oh, hey, he did it again. He's broken again. He's broken another backboard. That's twice in one season. And the crowd goes nuts. It wasn't all SI features and capacity crowds in Alaska. Because they played at a high school, the Northern Knights couldn't sell beer, which may have depressed attendance. And fans looking to get as smashed as the backboards. During the season, Anchorage averages a brisk 15 degrees Fahrenheit during the day which only lasts from about 9 a.m. to when the sun sets at 3 p.m. Then there's the somewhat frequent problem of running into a moose or a bear on the way to work. <laughs> Playing in Alaska did have one huge advantage, jet lag. Not for the Northern Knights, but for their opponents. Got a 9 a.m. flight. No problem. Good. What Alaska. In their first four seasons, the Northern Knights went to the playoffs all four years as either the first or second seed in the Northern or Western division. It may have been because of their wicked home court advantage. They would play long home stands with multiple games in a row against the same opponents. So rivals only had to travel to Alaska once per season. 
These games were so close together, the away team really never got over their jet lag for any of them. Then at the end of their Anchorage residency, they'd hop on a bus and drive all the way to the freaking mid-Atlantic in order to play all their away game. Damn, I wonder what kind of roads they were on. Bridges! Oh my God! This led to the longest recorded road trip in professional sports history during the 1979-1980 season as the team played 16 games in 31 days. The bus did, however, make sure the Northern Knights didn't have jet lag while all their home opponents most assuredly did. The Northern Knights' success changed the EPBL. First, as you know, they changed their name to the more accurate Continental Basketball Association. Also, they established other Western franchises, including a team in Hawaii, to try and grab some of that same incongruous energy they nabbed in Anchorage. As an aside, the Hawaiian franchise would only last one season before moving to Billings, Montana the next year. But they still called themselves the Volcanoes. They kept their name and made it a weed thing. All these factors culminated in a magical 79-80 season. Anchorage would beat those Hawaiian volcanoes in the semis and the Rochester Zeniths in the finals on the way to becoming CBA champions. That's right. Anchorage, Alaska. Title town. And there is one more kind of wealth that Alaska has. It's young American citizens. The children who will someday add their achievements to the story of Alaska. The athletic achievement in the Arctic Circle didn't last. The very next season after their championship would be the final campaign for the Northern Knights. Before their well of support froze up, the Northern Knights helped turn a rinky-dink Pennsylvania semi-pro league into a nationwide semi-pro league. So they didn't change that much, but they made more money, which is good. Heck, they even became the de facto feeder league for the NBA before the D-League took over in 2001. The only real losers were the people of Anchorage, Alaska, a small market who lost their basketball team after being teased with greatness. I say bring them back. They got about 300,000 people up there. That's almost as big as New Orleans, and we keep giving them franchises shit. for listening to NBA Storytime. I'm your host, co-writer, and stretch three on the floor, Jamel Johnson. Harry Swartout is our producer, co-writer, and a man heavily invested in rec specs. Daniel Hardigan is our script editor and the guy who mops up after people who fall down under the basket. Haley O'Shaughnessy is our consulting producer and leading the league in bench points. Devin Shepard is our production coordinator and the only one who makes sure we all get on the team bus on time. John Yales and Peter Moses are our executive producers, and they also insisted on calling their own fouls. Real good to you guys. NBA Storytime is a Blue Wire podcast. Catch you next time.